we are um, troubled, we are in sorrows, the Lord can send just the, the smallest thing to lift us up. And today I looked out, and I saw Tyler got a haircut. <laughs> Son, that looks good. That looks real good. That just brightened my day. I want you to know that, okay? Really good. We are continuing to, uh, to walk through the book of James. Uh, in fact, uh, next week will be the end of this journey through James, and we'll We'll start something else. Um, still trying to see where the Lord would have us go next. But um, uh, this, uh, as I studied this week, um, I knew this would be all about prayer. Application changed a bit. I would ask if you would please stand with me as we read James chapter 5, beginning in verse 13. James five, thirteen. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another, that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Father God, we come to you, and Lord, we ask for your strength that even in our distracted state of mind, even in our sorrow, that we would not miss what you have to say to us through your word. Your word has life. It has power. It has all that we need. Father, we ask that we would open ourselves and that your spirit would work freely to speak to our hearts and minds in just the way that we need. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Maybe seated. 
This passage is full of contradictions, so to speak, at least at first glance. It's very simple to see that there's a major emphasis on prayer. And yet, the complexity of these verses have left scholars who've studied them for years questioning their exact meaning and application. We've got suffering. We've got joy. We've got sickness. We've got health. We're told that Elijah was a man just like us, even we know, though we know he was one of the greatest prophets of the Old Testament. We're told there is healing, even as we are in the midst of sorrow. And so we come to this passage... Desperately needing a word from God. And we have, to un, uh, we have to admit, we have to acknowledge, first of all, that we don't understand all things. Paul told us in Corinthians that now we see dimly, as through a mirror, a distorted mirror, they didn't have nice pretty mirrors back then. We don't get the full picture, the accurate picture of what's going on. We see a little bit, but we don't see it all. But Paul said, then we shall see as face to face. One day, it'll be clear. But today, although we may not understand it all, we can understand some. We can get some help from what God has to say. And so I want us to walk through this passage. James begins by asking, is any one of you suffering? And you say, well, what kind of suffering is he talking about? Physical suffering? Emotional suffering? Financial troubles? Relationship troubles? health? And the answer is yes, all those and more. The term that is used for suffering here is a very general term. It can be used of a wide variety and a wide depth. It might be a little suffering or it might be a lot of suffering. Now James wants us to understand by using this catch-all word that if we suffer regardless of the circumstance regardless of the amount of our suffering, regardless of the duration of that suffering, you and I should pray. You and I should go to God. He follows up that question about if you're suffering. He says, is anyone among you cheerful? Do you have good news to be happy about? Are things going well in your life? What do you do then? If we're, if we're sick, if we're suffering, if we're going through a tough time, we call on God. So if we're on easy street, if life is, 
going our way, if things are, are well, should we then ignore God and turn away from Him? Absolutely not, James says. If you're suffering, call upon Him and pray. If you are doing well, if you're cheerful, if you're happy because life things are going the way you want them to, James says, turn to God then also. Sing praise to Him. Literally says, sing psalms. But that was uh, a catch-all word. Kind of like when someone says, what do you want to drink? And you say, Coke. And they say, what kind of Coke? When he said, sing psalms. The idea was that sing a song of praise. It really didn't matter whether, whether it was one of those Old Testament psalms or a new psalm. But it was time to sing to the Lord. If you're saddened, if you're sorrowed, go to the Lord. If you're gladdened, if you're happy, if you're joyful, go to the Lord. Sing praises to Him. He says, is any one of you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. It's very interesting. He, he says, if you're sick, don't sit at home and say, well, I wish somebody from the church would come see me. I wish they would call for me. He says, if you're sick, reach out. Call on the elders of the church. Ask them to come and to pray over you. In the name of the Lord. And this helps us with many of the questions we ask about this. Why is it not... Um, when we pray, things don't always go our way. Well, we don't understand the full meaning there, but we do know this. When James says, pray in the name of the Lord, he's following a line of thought. Remember just a few chapters ago, or a few weeks ago, earlier in this book, James gave us a good dose of, when you say this is going to happen, you better say if the Lord wills. You better be ready no matter what you think is best and the way things you, should turn out in your mind, you and I need to be ready to say, God, if you have a different plan, whatever your way is, Lord, we trust you. And so in verse 15, when he says, the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up, we know that every believer will be raised up on the last day. There are times and places when God chooses to heal in this life miraculously. And there are other times when God chooses ultimate healing. He chooses to call his child home. We don't understand that. None of us can sit here and give an explanation because we're not God. We just know we're to respond to God in faith. We could try really, really hard to give reasons and explanations. But do you know that, first of all, we can't do it, but second of all, if we even could, those explanations, those mental answers, logical answers, they would not satisfy the cries of our heart. They would not comfort us emotionally. Instead, we have to look to Jesus. 
as we sing, turning our eyes upon him. We look to the God who did not exempt himself from suffering. We understand that as his children, just as our Lord and Savior suffered, we will at times in life suffer as well. And God told us that. Jesus said, in this life, you'll have many troubles. No matter whether things go the way we want them to or not, we are urged and encouraged to turn to God. We are encouraged not to simply bottle it up on the inside, but to go to Him. He also encourages us in verse 16. Not only are we to pray when we're suffering, not only are we to sing praise when we're happy, not only are we to call in others to pray for us when we're struggling, when we're sick, when we're needy, but he says in verse 16, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. When we are in sorrow and suffering and pain, James says, not only should we open ourselves to God, we should open ourselves to one another. We should be honest with one another. And James doesn't give an a exact uh, formula for how that works. He certainly doesn't say, well, you know, if you think you've been away from the Lord, you need to stand up before the congregation and, and confess everything you've done. Um, no, he doesn't say that. Uh, there is no uh, stipulation in here that you must come to a minister or to a priest or an elder or deacon or anybody else. He simply says, confess to one another. And it's very possible that he is specifically talking about those that you've hurt, those that you've offended, those that, that have suffered because of your words, actions, or lack of words or actions. And James says, you know, God may just be saying, I want to fix something in your life, but I want to use the very one that you've hurt to be the instrument of that fixing, of that working out. And so I'm going to call upon you to go to that one you've hurt and to admit that and to ask for forgiveness, that they might pray for you and that uh, the resolution to that situation might come through their prayer. Because God has called us over and over to be a community of faith, a people who are together walking in him. And if we are separated by grudges, by misunderstandings, then we don't operate as God has called us to. So many of us fail to pray, not because we don't want to, not because we reject the idea and say, God, I don't know what it'll do, but simply because we think we don't know how. We think we're not worthy. He says, look, there's power in prayer. And he gives an example of Elijah. 
And that might, at first glance, turn us off and say, well, well, sure, Elijah's prayers got answered. I mean, he was a prophet. But James says he was a man just like you and I. He was a normal, ordinary human being. And if you read the story of Elijah, boy, he had his ups and downs. <laughs> I, I think they'd have a diagnosis for him today, you know, the way he acted. They'd probably put him on a pill. Because one moment he was there on top of the, uh, of the mountain and he was calling out those false prophets of Baal and he was saying, let's see which God is the true God. And he was bold. And you turn a chapter and he's fearful for his life and he's running. And sometimes he's happy and other times he comes before the Lord and he actually says, Lord, I don't want to live anymore. If this is what living is about, just take my life, God. But notice he never contemplated suicide. He said, I'm tired of living, but my life is in God's hands. He never stopped talking to God. Whether it was, God, you're the greatest. God, I see how you're making this all work out. Or, God, I'm all alone. There's nobody left but me. Before God has to say, hey, guess what? I've got a remnant. I've got others you don't know about. You're not the only one. You feel like you're the only one out there doing what's right, the only one living right, but I've got your back. But whether it was in faith or in doubt, whether it was in happiness or sorrow, Elijah kept on praying. And you know, if you go back to the book of 1 Kings and read about him, he didn't have any fancy, eloquent prayers. He simply prayed and said, God, here I am. God, would you call down fire and show yourself? God, I'm so frustrated I want to die. He just came to God, openly, trusting God. And James, who's pretty blunt and pretty plain-spoken himself, lifts up Elijah and he says, that's what I want you to be. Elijah wasn't some superstar of the faith who never did anything wrong. Man, he doubted. Man, he failed. He messed up. But you know what? He kept coming back to God. That's the one place that Elijah really got it right, is he never tuned God out. He never shut God off. He kept talking to God. He kept saying, God, here I am. James says, that's what I want you to do. I want you, as the body of Christ, as a church, as believers... pray. Don't shut out. Don't insulate yourself. Don't isolate yourself. Don't say, well, there's nothing that can happen. There's nothing that can fix this. But open yourself up to God. Open yourself up to His people. If you're joyful and happy, if you've got a praise, share it. Sing it. If you're struggling, Pray to God. If you need help, tell others. Be honest and open with them about what's going on in your life. We've gone through the book of James, but we've also these last few weeks gone through Lent. And each week we've talked about something that James is telling us to let go of.
And today, James is saying, let go of doing it all by yourself. Let go of saying, I don't need anybody's help. Let go of saying, I'm not worthy of anybody's help. Let go of saying, I'm the one that helps everybody else. I shouldn't need it. Let go of that. Call on God. Call on his people. And that type of faith will see you through the sunny days and the cloudy days both. Would you pray with me? God, we come. And Lord, we're all mixed up inside. God, we all... Lord, we act like we've got it together sometimes. We act like we're even keeled. But Lord, on the inside, we are just like Elijah. God, we are up and down we are roller coaster all over the place. And we think that we're supposed to hide that. But God, you've called us to tell you what you already know. You've called us to open up to you and to call on you. You've called on us to cling to one another to be open and share our lives with one another in time of need. And God, we pray that we would do that now. Lord, that we would lean on you. That we would lean on each other. That we would be there for one another. Father, now bless this time of invitation as we seek to open ourselves to you. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.